This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Valtellini. The war of Oceania is upon us as Robert Whitaker and Israel Adesanya lock horns this weekend. Derek Cannonier becomes a top five middleweight with a win over Jack Hermanson. Usman versus Covington is official for UFC 245. Lee versus Gillespie added to UFC 244. Dana White hints at a potential Khabib versus GSP fight. For real. And when the UFC is in Australia, I have to have the boys from Submission Radio on the show. Dennis and Casper join me later on to discuss the scene leading into UFC 243. Thanks to those listening on TSN Radio in Toronto and Ottawa or to the podcast. Please tell your friends, review the show, and subscribe. And we appreciate any listener feedback you may have. You send us a tweet at Aaron Bronstetter, at Bazooka Joe V on Twitter uh, is where we can be reached. I check it a lot more frequently than Joe, so don't yeah. be offended if Joe doesn't get back I'm to I'm more on Instagram. Get me on Instagram. Yeah, Bazooka send, Joe V. Send your photos to Joe on Instagram. Yeah. D- DM him your weird photos. Come on, Aaron. The young kids are all on Instagram these days. I know. They're more you know active what? on it. I just had somebody here. Uh, he he uh, does the uh, MMA history uh, Twitter account. And he was telling me, like, you got to get more involved with Instagram. I've Every, been telling you been that, telling Aaron, You've for been telling a year me. on this show. Yeah. You have I to know. get on it. You did. Every so often, you'll, you'll get excited at the way. I need to do two and, a day. That's like, yeah. if I can start doing two a day and just get into the habit of it and just. Yeah, just use the stories. It doesn't have to be main posts. Just put a nice story. You, you're interviewing, you know, the top of the sport. Put some of your interviews up. People would love it. But when you put it in the story, it breaks up into like 30 parts. Yeah, if it's long. But then if, if it's a nice interview, put a nice. Um, now they have um, IGTV, yeah. so if it's longer, you just put it on your main. You can put your full interviews on the really? main one, yeah. Oh, well, I will be doing that. So then. then it just says after a minute, it'll say continue watching, and those who want to continue to watch, they can just click it and it takes you to your IGTV. Of course IGTV. they'll want to continue to watch. It's Absolutely. fantastic content. Absolutely. But yeah, that's a good idea. But the stories IGTV. are good for more like quick things. Say you're at a weigh-in and you got yeah. them on the scale. That's when, or... I, that's when I use stories is yeah. when I get people at weigh-ins. Quick, yeah. but your big interviews, get them out there. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm sh- like, people would love it. If I put every person that weighed in on my Instagram story, would that be excessive? If they had to, like, click you, through? I would put yeah. the, okay. main, the okay. main few. All right. Yeah. Or something exciting that pops up, the main few. You have backstage access. We want to see what's going on back there. Well, I'm, I still not, don't know I'm not allowed to on. shoot backstage stuff. No, they don't let you? Not, like, out, not like out into whatever's going on back there. No. Like, I can't be like, Joe Rogan's walking through backstage or Shaq's backstage. I'd get in trouble for yeah. that. But you, can't, you can't show us, like, the backstage, what it looks like? Like, hey, this is where we are backstage. Yeah, yeah, I could do that. That's pretty cool. I'm I'm curious to see it. Okay. I don't right. know where it is. I'll see if I get clearance. Yeah. It looks like the back of an arena. There's like lifts. Yeah. Not <laughs> like, as cool as we think. Yeah, no, it's not as cool as you think. I'm not I'm not pulling back the curtain to anything yeah. that you haven't seen before. Yeah, but it'll be cool. I think I think you should. Here's I the mean, medical tents. Yep. Yeah. I mean, even now, like I'm um with Glory and a lot of the fights that I see, when they have to put their social media media handle, they tend to only put Instagram now. Mm-hmm. Fighters don't really I mean it's tough sometimes for a fighter if they don't have like a personality outside because they're like, oh, uh, it used to be like, just finished training, you know, oh, another hard session. Like, those are the boring tweets. So, like, it, I find the fighters who have more of a personality tend to use it really well. We that's, got, sorry, that's Twitter I'm talking about. Yeah. Twitter is, is more of a news medium. And I just default to it. That's my problem is I just, I, it's my default. Yeah. So I need to get out of the habit of that being my default, and then I'll be okay. And it's also more work to post on another platform, too. It it's is. Just, it's more time. But uh, who cares? Like, I, I just got to do it. What yeah. is it, an extra 10 seconds? Done. Like, who, yeah, who gives a damn? I'll just do it. 
I like it. That's, that's the mindset I've got to have. It's like, just do it. But it's, it's just the mindset has to be every time I send a tweet, I need to send something on Instagram or I need to do something with Instagram. If there's something yeah. of note that I'm tweeting, like if I'm, if I'm responding to something, but you're extremely active on, on Twitter, yeah. especially fight night. That's where I get my recaps half the time. I can just, click, I just click, just on, my click on your name and I can get everything that's going on. I got cool stats and you find like unique stats, which are always cool. Yeah, that's that's my that's my jam. That's it. But I could take those unique stats and make it into a graphic and just put it Boom. on Instagram. Yep. Done. That's it. You got it. We're doing it. I get it. I just don't do it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so the War of Oceania, as, I, as I've called it. Robert Whitaker and Israel Adesanya this weekend, UFC 243. And for the first time today, Joe... Israel Adesanya is now the favorite in this fight. Yeah, I saw that. The, the lines have changed. Yeah. I mean, it was basically a pick em before the line changed. I mean, it, was it was close. Yeah. It was like Whitaker, a minus Whitaker, 105 or something. Well, Whitaker opened minus 185, and then it just kind of drastically kept, like, sorry, gradually kept dropping yeah. and dropping and dropping. And now it's at, I think, uh, Adesanya's minus 115 and Whitaker's minus 110. So it's still yeah. close to a pick em, but more, more of the vague yeah. or the juices. I, I, I agree with Adesanya being a slight favorite. I, I honestly too. do. I mean, we, we know this is going to be a battle on the feet, most likely. Um, I also feel that with his kickboxing experience, he's got 80 kickboxing fights. Like, come on. Like, that's got to give him an, an advantage. And Whitaker's being out and injured all the time. So you have to give that slight edge to Adesanya. That's kind of the way I look at it. Now, people have been talking about how much Whitaker has grown over this like time away. He, he I think, joined like the Australian national wrestling team. He's, he's really become... Got you know gotten really good into wrestling. I think his coach even compared him to GSP in that regard. Yeah. But that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to default to it, or that that's what he's going to try to do. That kind of game plan of attack. Not to mention that we saw that Adesanya off his back against Gaslam was not efficient out of water. He was yep. throwing up triangles. He's using his length to his advantage. So if this is contested on the feet, I don't. I just don't know how you can side with anybody over Adesanya, let alone Whitaker. I mean, Whitaker's yeah. great on the feet, but who like Paulo Costa? I think will be interesting. Because Paulo Costa is going to bring a really rugged, aggressive yeah, he'll style. He'll take the shot yeah. to come in, right? And I think that's almost similar to Alex Pereira, who had who beat Adesanya. Yeah. Not, I mean, obviously, we're comparing apples to oranges. You've got an MMA guy versus a kickboxer. But regardless of that, I think that that stylistically is a worse matchup for him than Whitaker. I agree. Because Whitaker and I, relies... And I actually think that... Sorry to interrupt you. I actually oh. thought that Gastelum was the worst matchup for Whitaker as well. Yeah. I think Gastelum's a worse matchup for Whitaker than um, Adesanya. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, of course, matchups are everything in MMA. Yeah. I just think to beat Adesanya, you have to pressure. You have to come in. You can't just sit on the outside and, and, and expect to, to throw a single punch and, and, and win a fight. You have to get into him. you got to pressure him. His fights that he lost in kickboxing, it's against pressure fighters. A pressure fighter who can keep him against the ring or the cage, chop away the legs a little bit. But you can't sit long, and I mean, that's why a lot of guys have problems. I mean, I still want to see Adesanya against a solid, solid wrestler. And I mean, well, I don't... Gastelum was a solid wrestler. Yeah, I don't mean, but like, a, not an a big, solid Division wrestler, one. you know? He's yeah. a little smaller, he's not a big middleweight. I mean, so I'm trying to think like, like a... a Wideman. A, a Wideman was yeah. exactly the name that I thought. Yeah, a or, Wideman. or Yoel Romero. Yeah, I mean, maybe Romero a few years back. I think mm -hmm. a Romero now might lose to Adesanya. I agree with you. I know Romero a few years back. Yes, but, that I mean, would Weidman, have been ideal. the current Weidman. You'd have to imagine would lose to Adesanya also, don't you think? Weidman? Yeah. Um, like on the, the feet Chris for Weidman. sure. Yeah. I mean, he's he just came on the media. He wants John Jones. He's he's Who, pretty. Weidman? Yeah. Yeah. He's gonna have to beat Dominic Reyes first, and that's yeah. a pretty tall order. Yeah, we'll see. But now, but, uh, now Adesanya saying he wants John Jones also, and Adesanya called out Stipe recently in an interview. Yeah, yeah. He wants to fight at heavyweight. 
Yeah, this is Adesanya saying Adesanya it? said yeah, that. He's just yeah. creating he's creating hype. But I think he knows. I think he visualizes this stuff like but he's good at that. Creating hype is important in the sport. You you've talked about yeah, this. Yeah, you have to. You have to use your platform to build yourself up, to build up your brand. And Adesanya's as good at, at it mm-hmm. as anybody. He's not Connor, but I mean, so few are. Get people talking, you know, he's confident in himself, and that's what you need, that real confidence. Like we've seen the best in the world. Who has that extreme confidence? Connor McGregor. You know, so it's like that's the status you need, the George St. Pierre confidence. I, I, I wouldn't even say George St. Pierre is as confident as those guys. I think he was a little bit more humble Just and respectful and more <laughs> yeah. technique. But like Conor McGregor would be a prime example. He calls out everyone, anyone, anytime, and he believes that hype surrounding him, and that's why they're successful. They are very similar in terms of how they present themselves and how they fight. Yeah. Like they're very unorthodox fighters. They do a lot of interesting things in there. They have a lot of confidence, like you mentioned. Great like, in the media. Great in the media. Great with interviews. Always have a compelling soundbite. I think Connor more than Adesanya, but yeah. that doesn't mean that that can't change. There's a little bit more respect to Adesanya's side. I feel. I agree. Yeah, a little um, bit more respectful talk and banter. Yeah, and I think that might just be a, a matter of um, like where they're from, like New Zealand. New Zealand, they're, yeah. they're known to be pretty friendly, whereas people from Ireland are kind of brash. See, but even the lead-up to this fight, I felt Adesanya was trying to pull out a little bit in Whitaker, trying to create uh, beef that wasn't really there almost, you know? And Whitaker's like, I don't know what he's even talking about. Like, he was just so calm, so relaxed, smiling with it. But I think Whitaker knows that bothers him. Like, I think Whitaker's ah shucks mentality and not selling the fight gets under the skin of Adesanya. Yeah. I don't think Adesanya would admit that. But Adesanya has said to me, he's like, I have to do all the heavy lifting here. I have to, I have to sell this fight single handedly because Robert doesn't do it. Yeah, and I think that that adds pressure. Yeah, I do. I maybe. think that that matters. Yeah, it could. I mean, I just think that because look Whitaker's at, more that GSP approach he took almost in 100%. this one. That's what I the saw in Whitaker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the respect. I get it. He's trying to build the fight. I'm going to do my thing. I'm the best. Boom. You talk and do what you need to do. But that's where Connor had the most trouble. Somebody like a Diaz, where he couldn't get in his head. Yeah, and I think that yeah. Adesanya might be having the same deal with Whitaker. Like a mm-hmm. Whitaker is just not biting. Yeah, I, I don't know. For me personally, I don't know. Like Whitaker's been out so long, I almost forget how good he is. And that's where like I'm almost like torn. I was like, where's Whitaker getting this hype? I f- totally forgot how good he was. And because we've seen Adesanya probably fight what six least, times, I think. yeah, s- but since the last time Whitaker has fought. Uh, Probably at least might be. Yeah. Well, no, no, not since the last time Whitaker fought. The last time Whitaker fought was last June, but since so then we've probably seen... Adesanya at least three, four times since. Yeah, I mean, since then he fought last July against Tavares. He fought um, after that. Who did he fight? I know, obviously, he's fought Anderson, but he fought somebody in between there, if I'm not mistaken. He fought Tavares. He fought Anderson. He fought Gaston. So uh, Brunson. And Brunson, yeah, Brunson. four. Yeah. He fought Brunson in no- last November. Yeah. So four times since we've last seen yeah. Whitaker. So, so we forget. Yet. We forget 100%. how good that man is. Bias. Yeah, absolutely. So, but if you go back and watch, this is another thing. If you watch Yoel Romero versus uh, Whitaker, the last one, Whitaker, I thought, lost that fight. Yeah. And he showed that he's tough. But and he, he also, can take shots and yeah. the injuries. And yeah, so I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm surprised. I, I'm, I'm nervous almost for Whitaker. Because I haven't seen him in a while. And there's a lot of people saying, because even his last fight, didn't he have to pull out within one day's notice? It was on the day of the on fight. On the day of the fight. Yeah. So, I mean, we don't want to jinx it, but you just never know with him if, right now. If that happens, this fight, this card is 
in trouble. In massive trouble. Like, yeah. there's nothing else on this card. I don't know how they didn't put another middleweight fight on this card. There's no other, zero middleweight fights on this card other than the main event. Yeah. Knowing what's happened with Whitaker the last two events. Like, they tried with Paulo Costa. Didn't he come out saying, I don't want to be that person? Yeah. But I Paulo want a Costa full walks camp around and... like probably 215, 220. Yeah, you can't expect guys to do that. Yeah, he's actually there. He's down there as a guest fighter, but, yeah, like, maybe if... He, you know, if he fell out like Monday or something, you can get convinced Costa to lose the weight. But still, and fight. Like, but even still, still, you want your full camp if you're fighting for a title. Yeah, you're going for a title, then you lose, you know, decisively, and then the chance to get it back, you know, it's a, it's a it's a tougher road again. And he's built a name for himself. So yeah, I would never do that. Like I mean, I want to think who uh, the example was. Uh, wasn't it John Jones? They didn't he have an opponent switch and then decided not to take the fight? Yeah, it was Chael Sonnen. Was supposed to they they had booked Chael Sonnen to fill in for I think it was Dan Henderson. Dan Henderson got injured, and he said, no, I'm not taking it. No, it's totally and different. The I got, prepared the for event one. got canceled, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, I get it. You're the champion. You've prepared a certain way. You shouldn't have to make those changes And think about quick. Connor Again, to Connor's credit, he was supposed to fight Jose Aldo. And then, I think it was, like, week of the fight, they were that playing with Chad Mendes. Mendes. Totally yeah, yeah. different style of fight. Yeah. Completely different style yeah. of fight. Um, and everybody had wondered, you know, how is this guy ever going to do against a wrestling fighter? They put him against probably the best wrestler in the division at, at the time. At that time, yeah. 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 And he passed that test, and apparently also had a torn ACL going into that fight. Yeah. Like, I mean, if it's a fight, it's a fight, you know, but this is a world championship. This is dreams. This is like a lot of money, a lot on the line. So, yeah, I don't agree with those last minute replacement fights. Mm-hmm. But that's me personally. That being said, Connor also accepted that first Diaz fight on short notice at 170 pounds yeah. and lost, right? Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there is risk reward for yeah. sure. Yeah. So, I mean, money talks probably at the end of it for a lot of these guys. But Mm -hmm. for your career, for your legacy, no one remembers what happens half the time. A year later, you won't remember that you took it on last-minute notice. It's just a loss on your record. Right. No. Yeah, circumstances rarely come up when it comes to, like, your... Your losses. Like, nobody will look back and be like, oh, they probably should have won that fight on the cards. Yeah. Ten years later, they look at it and they're like, oh, they lost to this person. Like, I was I was laughing at uh, one of my fighters came up. Oh, yeah, he missed weight. He missed weight by, like, um, what, something like 0.2 pounds or something like that. He didn't want to cut the weight. And he was like, oh, he had to give up 20% of the purse. I was like, so he gave up. Like, they're making, like, a 1000 bucks. So, what, you're giving yeah, exactly. up 20 bucks? Yeah. Hey, take, like, 20 <laughs> yeah, bucks. 200 bucks, yeah. And that's fine, you know? I was like, you can take 300 Like, it's not the money at that point. Like, I mean, okay, if you're making $100,000, that's a little different. But especially in these lower organizations, to give up your little purse just not to cut the weight. Yeah. Or even if you come in five pounds heavy, like, no one's going to remember that mm-hmm. you missed the weight half the time. And now you have a loss on your record. Yeah, and I, I don't know how much, like, statistically, it seems every year it's a different result as to like the people that miss weight losing fights versus the people that miss weight winning fights like last year a lot of the people who missed weight won fights this year it seems to have flipped like the people that are missing weight are not winning fights so i feel like there's not really a huge correlation it's just skills well if you can't make the weight it's almost better to just give up the 20 percent and not try yeah yeah i can try suck out another hour and and kill myself and drain myself it's like uh, i'm not gonna make it anyways just take it but then of course you're also risking your bonuses right like Michelle That's Pereira, true. for yeah, example, yeah, yeah. Your lost fifty thousand dollars because of it. On top of twenty percent of his purse, because he wouldn't cut the. True. I think it was point two pounds. Also, yeah. like it was a very. That's little good on the weight. UFC, though. That's that's good on the UFC for doing that. Yeah, because sure. I mean, otherwise there wouldn't be enough risk for for not making the weight. Mm-hmm. I like it absolutely. Um, so. In this fight, you think you think Adesanya is the guy, right? I, that's yeah, the way you're looking at that's it. That's the way I'm thinking. He's gonna be the. He's the favorite in my eyes, and I'm probably going to pick him when it comes down time. I'll, I'll let you do that. Yeah. You, you're not touching it, eh? I don't know. I, I think, I, I, like, I'm listening to what you say about, like, again, I, I think Adesanya is going to win, 
But I listen to what you say about Whitaker, and I just like because I haven't seen Whitaker in so long. I don't want that recency bias to impact yeah. me, and I can admit that it's there. But just the shots he took against Yoel, and how like the injuries—is his chin the same? Like it's—I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, and you're talking about a, a very different style of striker than Yoel. Like Yoel's power. Yeah, you know, and and with Adesanya, it's precision, it's technical, yeah. it's how and you like he'll throw nice up jabs and uppercuts you don't see, and he's just sneaky, and you think, and then he slips off line, counters you back. So I mean, it's just that sneaky. I I I wouldn't be surprised if Whitaker takes a wrestling approach. Yeah, he very well might. And I will say, this is a great matchup. Like just on paper. Oh yeah, incredible. I'm excited to see what's going to happen in this one. Incredible. Like um. The rest of the card, I almost don't like. It's almost an afterthought for me. This is the most boxing UFC card they've ever done. Yeah, exactly. That's how, exactly a how great you can main put it. like a main event that's going to sell sixty thousand tickets at yeah. this Marvel Stadium. You've got a co-main event that's okay. That's, in the, yeah, Dan, decent, Dan and Hooker really and Iakinda wouldn't headline a fight night most of the time. Yeah, and if you're having a co-main event on a pay-per-view that wouldn't headline a fight night, that's a problem. Um, and then the rest of the card, like, there's nothing there. There's like, I mean, there's a lot of local Australian fighters. But there's really not a whole lot of intrigue. Like this last card in, in Denmark was way better than this one. Yeah, yeah, I don't and know. That's a problem. I heard the ticket sales weren't the greatest for this. Yeah. Oh no, they're doing fantastic. They're doing fantastic. It's almost like almost sold out already. Oh, I heard it wasn't um, as good as they expected. They lowered ticket prices at some stage to sell more tickets, okay. from what I understand. Um, and I, I spoke to the submission radio guys about that, and we'll we'll hear that interview a little bit later on. Yeah. But this is probably going to set the attendance record for the UFC, yeah. which I, which, which is good. Looks I like mean, it might get broken next I'm year. I'm all for, and I mean, I'm all for getting big stadiums and putting tickets cheaper. The more eyes you can get, the more people love the sport, the more you can attract people to it. Like, why not? Don't be surprised if in February or March you see Khabib versus Tony Ferguson at a 75,000-person stadium yeah. in St. Petersburg. Like, why That's not? That's what I'm hearing is likely going to happen. Like, you don't have to sell $100 tickets. It's okay to have $50 tickets. Fill it out. Create an amazing atmosphere in the environment. Your ticket sales, your booze sales, your T-shirt sales. Everything's going to grow. The fighters are going to grow. So just get people in there watching how great the sport is. Mm-hmm. I'm interested to see when people start coming in. Like, the, arena, the stadium could be empty because think of what time it's going to be there. Like let's let's look it up. What time is it now? So we've got Melbourne. They're they're I think fourteen hours ahead of us. Because the main event's going to be on ten ten p.m. Eastern time. Right. So right now it's five twenty eight a.m. So that means the first fight usually is at six thirty for pay per view. So it'll be at eight thirty a.m. Will be the first fight. Eight thirty a.m. Wow. Yeah. So like, Eek. how many people are going to be in that stadium at eight thirty a.m. Knowing they're not going to miss the main event? Yeah. Like, but you know? now, but what's your thoughts on that? On a big card with an attendance that they're looking for, should you make it Australia time? No. no? I don't think so. It's still to the bigger still, mass. I think of... you still want to make it. It's going to sell the tickets anyways, right? Yeah. So what's the difference? Yeah. It's proven that. It proved that with the Rousey fight, too. Because, I mean, just a huge fight like this and, and what it means for, for you know, that region, I mean, it might be nice to have given them their time. So over the weekend, I mentioned the Denmark card, Jack, uh, Jared Cannonier with a great knockout over Jack Hermanson. He just seemed to have an answer for everything Hermanson threw at him, uh, and he enters the middleweight mix. So now at, at the top five, you've got um, you've also got to remember that middleweight is people are leaving; they're going to light heavyweight. So you've got basically a four horse race right now. You got the the two guys fighting this weekend in uh, Adesanya and uh, Whitaker, um, and you've got uh, Jared Cannonier. You still, I guess Yoel is still sort of in the mix, and you got Paulo Costa. 
And then now you've also got Gastelum and Darren Till. So like there's there's still like a lot of pieces in play, but the division's getting a little bit younger and it's getting you know a little bit more diversity. You think it's uh, the weakest division we have? No, I don't think so. No, in men's MMA. Yeah, I mean, I'd have to say flyweight is weaker. For example, there's not even that many fighters That's in the division. True, no. Bantamweight's gotten strong. Featherweight is pretty strong too. There's a lot of killers in featherweight. Oh, I think featherweight's pretty good. Yeah, lightweight obviously is really strong. I think featherweight would be one of the strong. better ones. I would say 185 is probably better, deeper than heavyweight, and probably well, 205 starting to come up, but probably deeper than 205. You also. still think better than heavyweight, eh? There's nobody at heavyweight. I guess the older guys now. There's just nobody there. Yeah, you got Francis. Cormier is going to have his last Curtis, fight there. Junior, Lewis, yeah. Overeem, Kane still if he same comes back. Same old guys. Yeah, <laughs> the same, same old same old group. The middleweight's at least changed a little bit. Like you had Weidman and Jacare there all the time. Rockhold, all those guys have moved up to 205, and this division's opened way up. Yeah. Yeah. But that means it's shallower. I mean, that's the fact of the matter. I mean, you've got Till coming into the mix now, moving up from 170. But outside of that, you know, it seems like it's clearing out a little bit. Yeah, I guess I think the middleweights, the the top five, are sitting really nicely. It's not like the middleweight division of glory, the strongest division in the sport. Middleweight? No. no <laughs> I know. We were no. just talking about this. I know we're talking. I just wanted to get a rise out of you. No, I'm sitting there. I'm thinking. I was like, the best divisions we have right now in kickboxing, it's lightweight and welterweight. Those are our two strongest divisions right now, lightweight and welterweight. Remind me who the champ is at lightweight again? Uh, lightweight, we have right now, it was Sitichai for so long. It's now oh, yeah, Marat right. Gregorian yeah, now, Gregorian, yeah. which he's fighting against... Um, the octrilogy is going to happen soon. I know. Guys. <laughs> Not he's fighting many, a young it? kid to Johnny. That's, that's our show next week. We're mm-hmm. off to Germany. I'm that's off to great. Germany next week. so That's a good fight. We'll get to see. It's just nice to see the title change a little bit. So we're excited to see new matches, new championships, and just fun now that the, it changes a bit. It can get really like, okay, Sidichai whoops this guy again with another left kick domination. So it's just nice. So if Sidichai fights Gregorian again, what, what number is that? Six? Five? Uh, it'll be six. Six. Wow. Six. When you sit at the top, then that's it. What do you call that? Sextology? I guess so. Yeah, we'll, okay. we'll make it up. Yeah. Whatever the it is. Sextology. People will be tuning in for all the wrong reasons. That's it. Yeah. That's it. They'll get all excited. <laughs> yeah. Hey, if it works, it works. Well, I mean, kickboxing is an exciting sport, so at least you're, you're going to give people excitement regardless. Yeah, I get it. So uh, Usman and Covington, official UFC 245. Yeah. We talked a little bit about this uh, last week when it was getting close, and now it's uh, official three title fights on one card. Now, a lot of people think this might water things down because you're putting three titles in the mix in one night. I think that's a little bit offset by the fact that there's no titles on the line in November and just one title on the line this this weekend. So um, what it might do is impact the beginning of next year, uh, but we'll see. Yeah, I, I like the stacked cards. I don't mind it. I agree. I mean, who doesn't like a stacked card? Yeah, I mean, you can spread them out, and it's just if you have a place and you can sell without it, but... Just putting a champion's night like that, I, I like it. This is a fight I have no idea how to call, this Usman versus Covington. They're so yeah. similar. Yeah, they were like, both at the Glory event. No fights yeah. there, but Not that it you was, know of. Yeah. We, uh, it was fun. My uh, One of my gym manager, Derek, he uh, he had to personally walk Usman just to make sure nothing happens. And apparently Colby wanted to make sure he had security as well. So, yeah, that they were prepared for something, so but Derek nothing was happened. with Usman like the whole night. Yeah, then he sure walked him to his nice. Apparently, he has a nice Range Rover. So, okay, yeah, well, he he's earned him. that. Yeah, he's got a nice little Range Rover or something. But he walked him to his car to just to make sure. I have to pick Derek's brain on that one. I see him. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So I don't know what they did, but uh, he walked him to the car. And yeah, and nothing happened. Nothing happened. So, so Derek was there the whole time, so he <laughs> he can verify that nothing happened. Yeah, and we're like, and uh, did you set them on different sides of the arena? I think so. Yeah, they weren't close because okay. they popped up. I was. Um, 
I was at the commentator's booth. So I got I saw Usman. We waved from a distance, but so we never really got to talk and hang out. So. Usman's a giant guy. Eh? Have you yeah. stood next to him before? No, I just I just saw him at a distance. He looked huge. Yeah. But I mean I saw him next to Tyrone Spong, who's a big, big guy. Yeah, boy. He's boxing soon in like two yeah, weeks. Yeah, he's fighting Usyk, which yeah, is right. like yeah. Usyk's a big big time boxer. Oh yeah, that's just, that's the big, big test. Yeah. But like just seeing from a, a distance and trying to compare him to Tyrone Spong, I was like, Yeah, he usually looks big. He looks like a big boy, so I think he walks around probably close to two hundred, two hundred five. Yeah, easily, easily two two hundred plus. But he's getting back into camp now. Like when he's in camp, he'll be smaller. But when he's yeah. not in camp, he's a huge guy. Oh, big big welterweights will walk two hundred pounds, no problem. He was on my flight uh, back from Brazil. I always like having fighters on my flights because I know nothing bad's gonna happen. Like if, if anybody gets tricky and pulls like whatever a That's nail it, file out of their shoe, <laughs> you got Usman there. Guy. I had Bisping on my flight. Uh, they had him first class. These guys, at least, I know. I don't. I don't know. A lot of times I think Usman they don't. was. I think Usman was first class. Yeah, a lot of times they this don't. This thing was on the way down. Huh? Yeah. I, I was very envious. Although I had a great seat on that plane. I had like the the, the front row of the of coach or whatever. Like yeah, the, I like that one. The uh, premium economy. That's one of my favorite ones. That's yeah, fantastic. It was yeah. awesome. Yeah, those Especially are some of my favorite flight. ones. Yeah. Do they do they put you in first class, Joe? No, no, they won't. They uh, we had a big thing of trying to save money where we could, and then uh, even. The uh, CEO and everyone's like, if I'm taking it, all of you guys are taking it. You're going to work it. into your contract next time. Oh, they won't. We've tried. We, the we've all tried. We've all tried. We're like, okay, maybe just international ones we'll get on. They're like, nope. The How producer, the director. If you want to go first class, what, what's the upgrade It's like, an like 600 like, bucks, right? Six, seven, eight hundred wow. bucks sometimes. It's kind of like, for like, I'm fine. You should I do a seminar the, while you're out there just to get Just to cover an upgrade? <laughs> yeah. I was like, man, I want those pods that those guys are sleeping in those yeah, exactly. pod beds up they're there. They're amazing. Yeah, yeah, they're huge. I've never actually been in one of those. Neither have I. No, have you ever been day. in a uh, sensory deprivation pod? No. Oh, you got to go. I know, but I'm, I'm claustrophobic, so I'm, I'm kind of hesitant. Well, you can go in the pool, the one that's not yeah. the, the, just the float instead of the, uh, the, the, the yeah. dome. I'll try it. I'll definitely try it's it. A, that's amazing. You've done it? Oh, it's the best. Really? I love it. Okay. I didn't know you did it. Yeah, I did it. I did it for, it's like an hour. You lay there and you lay in the dark and you float. Yeah. I'm a little scared of the dark, a little scared of tight spaces. So I don't you know. were a kickboxer. Yeah, but, but it's, I guess fears are fears, right? But, no, but yeah. I mean, something comes at me in the dark. What am I going to do? Gonna, I'm going to run. It's the size of a, it's a pond yeah. you're in. I don't like. Uh, it was funny. We're laughing. I hate haunted houses. Like I, I'm, I'm absolutely terrified in a haunted house. You know, you're not going to screamers this year. No, no, I don't like people jumping at me. I don't <laughs> like people in masks. Like if I want to, if I'm going to fight you, I want to see your face. I don't want to see you in a, in, a, in a mask. I don't want you to jump at me. I do not like haunted houses. I don't blame you. I'm not a big fan of those either. I do not like haunted houses. They freak me out. I remember going to Screamers or whatever it was, and, I'm, and right at the front is, I'm going to go in next. I'm like, can you make sure no one in there touches me? Because if someone touches me, I'm going to freak out. I'm going to start <laughs> swinging. It's not going to be good. I actually almost got into a fight in the clown one at Screamers because one of the guys touched me, and then we ended up draping each other up because I'm like, don't touch me. I said, do not touch me. I guess he thought it would have been funny because I was scared, but he touched me. So we ended up grabbing each other, and then everyone had to, like, separate us. Yeah, I do not like haunted houses. You got to do a fight with a clown at yeah. a haunted house. Yeah, do not touch me. And I, I said, I told them not to touch me, and then they touched me, and I freaked out. Yeah, haunted houses scare me. Especially the ones in Niagara Falls, if you've seen do you, them. Do you watch Sebastian Maniscalco? Do you watch those? Yeah, yeah you know, he's, he's incredible. You gotta watch out for those guys that do MMA. <laughs> that's what. That's why you gotta when you're working at a haunted house now. You gotta worry about yeah. that. Yeah. Oh yeah, Sebastian's one of my favorite comedians. <laughs> of course, he's a, he's like a Sicilian, a yeah, comedian. He's exactly. amazing. Yeah. Oh, I saw him live and it was just oh, it's so yeah, good. It's like you hold, you're holding your gut, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so you're afraid of it. Yeah. But I don't the, like haunted but houses. But the sensory de- deprivation, like you're in a room by yourself, nobody's gonna yeah. enter. The bigger one, I would like. The pod might freak me out. What would freak you out about it? 
Just I don't know. It's, it's like, dark. It's pitch black. Like I'm ter- I hated having to get MRIs for fights. Like being in that tight little space, getting an MRI. Like They're a little tough MRIs for me. Yeah, I could do a tanning bed though. That's pretty yeah, good. Yeah, that's the size but of it. it's as long than a as bed. I could. Yeah, you can feel open and close where it. the exit is. Yeah, you can I'm feel good. the exit. You can open and close yeah. it. You can even leave the little lights on if like, you want. I, to. I still don't even like elevators. If I got stuck in an elevator, I'm checking the the top panels to see how I can climb out. I don't like elevators. Uh, that's not a very smart idea, but okay. You know how it's wider and stuff, the shafts. It's okay, but they always together. have the ladders that I see in movies. Come on. Do they really? Apparently. They I've have to have looked. like an escape route for you. I've never I've never been I don't worry about elevators. I'm like afraid of heights, but I don't worry about elevators. Oh, I don't worry about heights. airplanes. If I'm enclosed, I'm fine. Yeah. It's when I'm on the I'm like the opposite. I like don't like being out in open space if I'm oh. up high. See airplanes, I've had to get like I really need those noise canceling. Because the, the engine noise and the fan. I like the engine noise. That drives me, me nuts. And Very consistent noise. It. It's like white noise. Yeah, no, don't like it. <laughs> so noise canceling. I'll, I'll, my noise canceling is on all the way to China, 16 hours. I didn't take those headphones off. There was once. one time where I had headphones on in the airplane using my white noise app with the airplane sound. And I'm like, what am I doing? I can just put my head on the window. Really? Yeah. You'll use the airplane sound? Yeah, to help me sleep. Really? Yeah. Okay. I don't know how you can do it, but sure. Like if I'm in a hotel room that has like the AC that's a little too loud, yeah, you don't oh, like it drives it. me nuts. Oh, I shut it off. I'm the same way. Especially but then it's too hot, it and then to what are you cons- going to do? It needs to be a consistent sound, though. Like if it, if it like has the AC and it has that click, that, you know, the yeah, banging yeah, yeah. every now and then, I can't do it. Or if it turns on and off. Yeah, I can't do that either. Yeah. It bothers but me. that's where I was when I was in my last one in Calgary. They had it either on, blasting, making noises, or if I shut it off, the room was too hot. So like, yeah. now what do I do? I've seen that before. That, that's a problem. Yeah, I was so pissed. But, yeah, there you go. Well, there you go. We've, we've delved deep into the soul of Joe as I ask a very benign question about whether he would do a sensory deprivation No, and thing. I told you about haunted houses. I would recommend it. I like it's good. No, it's definitely on my list to try. Because when you do it, you're just uh, all you're doing is using your brain. Oh, yeah. A There's lot of the fighters, um, a fighter that I work with once in a while, Glory Fighter, he came down. He's like, Joe, you got to do it. He's like, you will love There's it. There's a place like 15 minutes from here. Yeah. And there's two places that are like I know there's one there. that's. One of Danforth. Danforth is the one I heard of. And there's one that's in Markham. Okay, the Markham one could be cool. Yeah, the one on the Danforth is great. It's the one I go, I used to go to. Yeah. Hmm. Um. All right. So there we go. <laughs> Kevin Lee versus Gregor <laughs> Gillespie, UFC two forty four. This is a risky fight for Kevin Lee because a he's moving back down to one fifty five, and b nobody wants to fight Gregor Gillespie. Yeah, he's awkward. Yeah, well, he's yeah, easy. he's just a phenomenal wrestler, and yeah. he's a guy. People, I always see people when when I tweet out a Gregor Gillespie thing. This guy's going to be a future champ. The guy never fights. Yeah, like I don't even fights? remember his last like, fight. His last fight was earlier this year, I think. Did he lose his last no, one? No, he I hasn't. Thought. He's never. I think he's, he's undefeated. I thought he had one last. No, he's undefeated. Thirteen zero. Yeah, January. So he's fought. He's signed with the UFC in 2016, and he's fought six times since then. So he's only fought like an average of one and a half times. Oh, I know. I, I I confused him with Vic. Oh, James, James Vic. Vic. Yeah, confused yeah. me. Yeah. So, uh, Greg, that's a, an interesting matchup because again, like Kevin Lee. Like this is I, I respect Kevin Lee a lot for taking this fight because there's not a whole lot for him to gain yeah. by beating Greg Gillespie. Well, I mean, I guess working with GSP now probably giving him a lot of confidence so for that s- kind of you fight. See the picture of GSP with Olivier and Kevin Lee. Yeah, they're doing some sprint he workouts. Like he looks like a featherweight. G- GSP. Yeah. yeah, his keto and fasting has got him down to nothing. But again, is that the sign that you know he's trying to make that 155? Right. Well, that's what people have been saying, right? Yeah. But you'd have to imagine he can if you look at him next to Kevin Lee, who's in camp right now. Yeah. Kevin and, Lee looked a lot bigger. Yeah, much bigger than George. Bigger. Yeah, that's that's what I was thinking as soon as I saw it. And Dana White was on an Instagram live yesterday. He was talking, answering 
people's questions that we're sending in questions. He's been doing it every night he, with uh, special guests. He had Travis Barker on yesterday, and I think nice. he had, I forget, I think he had Shaq on earlier in the week or something. So he's chatting, whatever, talking UFC. But before Travis Barker came on, he was answering people's questions that they were typing in. And one question was about GSP fighting Khabib. And he said, well, I want once if Khabib is able to get past Tony, he's like, Tony's next. If Khabib can get past Tony, I'm very interested. Huh. And he was saying that he's heard from people that GSP's walking around at 10 pounds lighter than Khabib walks around at. Interesting. So that GSP is like, he's on the radar. But when you do an official retirement... I think it's so hard for, you know, for me to be like, oh, okay, come back again. But he again. said it at the official retirement. He goes, you know, maybe one day I'll be sitting on a fishing boat, and they'll call me, and they'll need me, and I'll come in and do it. Yeah. And the reason why he retired is because he couldn't get the fight with Khabib. Right away. Yeah. So, it was. Con- know, do you think it was like a pressure tactic at for sure. that point? A hundred percent. It's the smartest business move GSP could have ever made because, yeah. A, nobody's saying, you know, people always ask Dana White, well, who's GSP going to fight next? And he's like, GSP's retired. That's always what he said when GSP hadn't retired. Is he out of the USADA testing and everything? He's out of too? USADA testing everything. He's retired, retired. He's retired, retired. He doesn't have one way. foot in the pool. Yeah. Because a lot of times he's like, I'm retired, but yeah, I'm going like to stay Uriah, in the testing. Like yeah. So, yeah. so GSP, like, he is out. So the appetite for GSP becomes even more. Yeah. Because... You know, I think people are willing to over. This is another dumb argument that I that people keep making that I keep hearing is like, oh well, what if GSP wins the 155 title and then retires? But does the title leave the like? Does it does the title go with yeah. GSP and now he starts <laughs> yeah. his own promotion? Absolutely, no, yeah. you have tournaments, you do fun stuff. Yeah, exactly. Vacant titles are fun. Yeah, I agree. Accept vacant titles as as an opportunity. Yeah. Not Perfect. As, yeah. Now can, it's yeah. open now. Now, now it's open. two you got guys Tony, can go for you it. You got Khabib. You got it's the craziest yeah. division. You got Gaethje, Conor McGregor. Like, you can start a whole, do a whole tournament with those but four Khabib's guys. But Khabib basically doesn't have many fights left, right? No, I don't think Khabib wants to do much more. How like, old is Khabib? He's not, he's not old. I think he's like 30 or 31. He's not, he's not old. It's just the years he, of a no, kid just, grinding. Well, he's had lots of injuries, but I just don't think that, like, I think he wants to walk away on top. I don't think that he, that's why he's saying he's 31. Uh, he's actually just turned 31, like last oh, month. Young. Yeah, he's so really young. So if he, like, he's always said, I want to, he said, I want to fight Connor. And then he's, and then he said, uh, I, sorry, he said, I want to fight uh, Poirier. And then I want to fight Ferguson. And then I want to fight GSP. And then I want to retire. Yeah. He so wants he's, he's it too. It out. And GSP wants it. I mean, why not? Yeah, for sure. Let's do it. I don't, I don't have any interest in Connor versus Khabib too, right? No, now. zero. I have zero. Like, I think I know, same outcome, same thing. Yeah, I mean, no, you got perhaps the two all. biggest guys in the sports going to, in sport going toe to toe. But I agree with you. I, th- I don't think the outcome would be any different. No, not at all. You can't get that good I mean, in wrestling. Fight, but yeah, yeah, I mean, you can't get that good with your wrestling in that amount of time, and you're living the good life. Let's be honest. Are you really that hungry and grinding? Maybe, but I can't see it. Well, his uh, teammate, uh, McGregor's teammate. I think it was an interview with MMA Junkie. If I'm if I'm not giving credit to the right source, I apologize. Um, Maquan Amir Khani, who trains with him at SVG, says that Connor is like, he, he thinks Connor's going to come back soon. He says him and Connor have talked about it, and uh, Connor like, understands why he wants to fight again. Like, he knows that it's not about the money anymore, it's just about the hunger to fight, the mm-hmm. like, drive, the competitive drive. And I mean, the same thing you said about Whitaker, where he's been out for a while, so you don't know how good he is. I feel like you could apply the same to Connor. I mean, yeah, he hasn't, I he's, only been out for, he's been out for less than a year. That's the weird thing about it. It's like when he's out. Everybody talks so about him so much that it, it seems like yep. so long. Yep. But who knows what Conor McGregor looks like when he comes back? I actually I think the Gaethje fight is perfect. Like if I was going to book Conor, 
I book him against Gaethje. Yeah, Gaethje or Poirier, I guess. But Gaethje, Gaethje would be the one. I don't love the Poirier fight. Gaethje would be the one, though. Yeah. It's exciting. We all want to see it. Well, here's the thing. It's if, not a wrestling fight. If you're booking Connor, you have to go into it with the idea that he can very well lose this fight. Yeah, and you don't want him to lose right now. Well, nobody wants him to lose, but if he is going to lose, you want him to lose to somebody that you can build up. And Gaethje, if he loses to Gaethje, you know, Gaethje's losses were to Alvarez and to Poirier. Alvarez is gone. Poirier just lost against Khabib. You've got, like, a a title contender. You can build out of Justin Gaethje by having him beat Conor McGregor. And on the flip side of that, you've got to think if Conor wins, now he's the number one contender. What about if, like, Ferguson doesn't get past Khabib? Then what? What do you mean? With, With Conor? Then... Yeah, that's when you start talking GSP, you start talking yeah. Connor, and you start talking Gagey. I think yeah. those would be the three candidates. Yeah, I agree. So it's interesting, but I I think that like if you if you were to make you know the UFC apparently wanted to make a four man tournament for the lightweight title that was going to be I think it was going to be Tony and Khabib. Uh, sorry, it was going to be Connor and Khabib and or sorry GSP was in the mix. So I think it was going to be GSP. And Connor, and then Diaz, and somebody Ferguson, or something like that, and it just never came into fruition. Um, it was going to be a, a four-man tournament to determine the next title challenge, or something along those lines. I, I probably have it all mixed up, but um, they they're open to that kind of idea. But you could do it with those four. Like you could you could have Ferguson and Khabib fight. You could have Connor and Gaethje fight, and then you've also got GSP in the mix, right? Like so, you have. A you good framework, yeah, for, for building a new challenger at, at that weight class. Yeah, I don't think lightweight has that problem of getting challengers. No, I don't think so either. But you, it has a, a problem of deciding who the next challenger is. Yes, that's the that's biggest the issue. issue. There's so yeah. many. Yeah. Well, regardless, fun division. I would, lo- I would absolutely, that would probably be the biggest fight I'd want to see right now. Which one? GSP and, and Khabib. Khabib. Yeah. That would be that. I'd actually prefer to see Ferguson and Khabib. I just like really, yeah. I think that that matchup is so intriguing on so but many just, levels. Just to see GSP and what what it would do for MMA, like, would anyone ever be a three division world champion? Can you imagine if GSP beat like like that's Khabib? crazy? It's crazy to think of. It's and his, and his last fight being in middleweight to come down to lightweight. It's not like he came yeah. and went back to welterweight. No, he went from middleweight all the way down to lightweight. That, that's insane. Yeah, that you'd have to call him the best ever. I imagine. Oh yeah. But still, to this day, I think a lot of people still call him the best yeah, ever. for yeah. sure. I'm not one of those people, but I, I think he's up there. Yeah. I'm a Jones guy. Yeah, even with the past and... Uh... Well, here's the thing. This is what I always say when people, oh, even about the past. Well, if you're going to put GSP as the best ever, or Anderson Silva as the yeah. best ever, they both fought in an era where there of was where barely was... any drug testing. Yeah, true. Like, I'm not accusing either guy of... No, 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 but you're right. ...performance enhancing drugs, but you, you can't... Like, I know what we know what we know about John Jones now. We know that he's tested positive for certain whatever substances, and whether he acknowledges it or not, or whether he was actually guilty of using performance enhancing drugs, who knows? Um, because, you know, there's all these tainted supplements and all this blah, blah, blah. But I, I think that if you're going to say George is the best ever because John Jones has tested positive, like, John Jones tested positive in the USADA era. Yes, where GSP wasn't really there. GSP was only in the USADA era for one fight. Yeah. No, it's fair. So fair point. Know. Very good point. And John Jones has never really lost. Like he lost that Hamill fight by that that six elbow. It's a terrible referee call. Um but uh yeah, and GSP has lost legitimately twice. Yeah. But that's kind of what makes someone great too, to I, see them I lose and come back, back and, and but beat that person. You know what else makes someone great? When they don't have to do that. When in they the don't first have place. to do it in the first place. <laughs> yeah. True. Yeah, no. Good point. All right, so what else do we have? Uh we have uh, 
Dennis and Casper from uh, Submission Radio, but we also have our picks. So why don't we why don't we talk to Dennis and Casper from Submission Radio? I'll intro those guys. They are uh, an incredible show out of uh, Australia. They're both based in Melbourne, and uh, they do um, a show. I, I don't know if it's exactly weekly, but they do a lot of great work. They're on location. They actually have like a forty five minute exclusive interview with Israel Adesanya that you can check out on YouTube. Uh, but they're two very funny guys, very insightful guys, uh, and they join us now on the TSN MMA show. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to introduce this week's guest. I'm now joined by two of my favorite folks in Australia from Submission Radio. We've got Dennis and Casper. Uh, first off, Dennis, I want to ask you an important question about uh, this week's event. Uh, it's what's on everybody's mind. Uh, what way does your toilet flush? Well, let me tell you something, Aaron. On everybody watches that episode of The Simpsons. And uh, thinks it flushes the other way. Well, geez, Casper, I don't know. It flushes normally here? Does it? Oh, well, the thing with the toilets here in Australia that makes it much better than the toilets over there in America is that the water doesn't flush up against the private parts every time you go to the toilet. And when you sit down, there's some good gap between uh, the private parts and the water. So, I don't know. It, it doesn't feel like you're going down a water slide. Also, the international yeah. coals aren't that expensive like in the Simpsons. So, don't worry about it. I was, was going to say... Yeah, Aaron, you know, it's just uh, the toilets here are the same, man. Just regular floating toilets on the ceiling, you know, just just like you guys. Exactly. And I want to thank you, you guys know, both for... Ex- Aaron, I was also going to say, we don't have the gaps in the stalls like you perverts over there, so... Yeah, well, for, for the voyeuristic type, that's uh, not not as good as uh, as it is up here in North America. Uh, thank you guys both for accepting the collect call, by the way. I appreciate it. Oh, dude, our pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> all, right. all the monetization money from this trip is going towards the center, so it better be a good one, Aaron. Oh, it's going to be great. Believe me, it's already off to a roaring start. Uh, this week, UFC 243, how big is this? I mean, I looked at the ticket sales, and it looks like there's only like 125 pairs of standard tickets left. It, it looks like this is probably going to beat the the uh, at least the attendance record. I don't know about the gate record, but uh, definitely a, a big, big show. Mm, crazy. Like, when we were leading into this, Dennis and I were talking, and it just seemed unlikely that it, this thing would sell out because from everybody that we'd heard all around Australia and, like, in Sydney and other parts, they were a little bit skeptical to, and, and hesitant to buy their tickets just because of what's happened, you know, with Rob Whitaker in the past and what happened with Melbourne. I mean, who could foresee something like that? So to book flights, to book accommodation, to book your tickets, and, you know, some of them were quite expensive. People were kind of, like, on the fence. But this thing is just sold out in, in crazy fashion, and I think it speaks just to uh, the drawing power of Robert Whitaker. I'm not saying, you know, globally, I'm not saying as a pay-per-view star, but here in Australia, and of course Israel Adesanya, he plays a massive part of that as well, because you've got all these people from New Zealand flying over for this fight, and like there's been, man, I've been driving around the streets of, uh, of Melbourne, and there's been billboards, like electronic billboards and things put up in promotion for ages now, for months now, advertising this. And um, oh, it's, it's, I, I can't believe that we, we may actually potentially break the record uh, once again. I hope these guys yeah, are. Aaron, uh, I hope these guys are in bubble wrap right now. If anything happens to this main event, it's big trouble. Yeah, yeah well, I was going to say, like, just to add to Casper, like, yeah, it looks like they did like really spend a huge amount of money on marketing. Like, ticket sales weren't going very well, and they dropped the prices down really, really low. Like, I've heard people buying tickets right up the back for about thirty-five Australian dollars, which is really, really low if you convert it to USD. Um, they dropped the ticket ticket prices and started a campaign where it's like fifty dollar tickets. So I think those campaigns really pushed through those last minute buyers that didn't know whether or not they wanted to sit up the back. And also we had the USA versus Australia basketball games that it had stadium about a month ago and Russell Crowe and a bunch of people were complaining that they couldn't see anything 
uh, when it came to the events on the day. So that didn't help with the PR when it came to the event. But like I said, super impressive because we have the grand final. The NRL grand final in New South Wales and Sydney, the biggest thing to happen in that part of the world and, and parts of Australia. And to see this place sold out without the usual New South Wales uh, people coming down, it's pretty crazy. I was watching the, uh, rug- I think it's the Rugby World Cup. I-, I saw Canada versus New Zealand today. That was a beating. Oh, yeah, yeah right. But in it- and- NRL this coming weekend, you, you got 80,000 people there. You had the AFL Grand Final last week, 100,000 people at the MCG. So that's a lot of money that people are spending on tickets. So the fact that we might get, you know, 50,000, 60,000 this weekend, it just goes to show, like, there's a joke in Melbourne, like, we'll, we'll see anything. Like, we will literally watch any sport. If there's a ball, a stick, something, a fight in a stadium, like Melbournians and Australians will just come and watch that. Yeah, it definitely has the feel of a big event. Um, is anybody upset about how you know shallow this card is? I mean, outside of the main mm. and co-main, I put out a question on Twitter saying, what fight are you looking forward to most outside of the main and co-main? And uh, there, there weren't a whole lot of answers. <laughs> you know, everybody's mm-hmm. kind of... A lot of people were saying tied to Ivasa and whatnot, but I mean, with Holly Holm dropping off of the card shortly before uh, the actual card takes off, that, that's a pretty big hit. Mm. I mean, it's going to be interesting for people that are there because Brad Riddell's there. Brad's a big part of City Kickboxing, someone that has helped Izzy with his striking and a lot of the guys there. They're touting him to be the next big thing at Lightweight, but you've also got Justin Tucker and stuff like that. But no doubt about it, when you go on the local forums, the local Facebook groups, as soon as people saw what the card was, people were trying to uh, sell their tickets. They were complaining about how expensive their tickets were. They were complaining about their card. They were complaining there there weren't more international stars. And then when Holy Home fell off the card earlier this week. People were like, all right, here we go. Creating memes, like this is the beginning of the end. This is another Australian card. So locally, a lot of people are stressed out. I think up until the morning of the fight, everybody's going to be stressing. Whether or not they're going to get what they paid for with things already sort of falling apart a little bit with Holly Home being out. Yeah, it's problematic. I mean, that's one thing about it being shallow, though, is that, like, the, you know, if, if a couple more people fall off, at least it's not going to be big fights. But if it is one of the big fights, that's going to be a really big problem for the UFC. They didn't put any other middleweight fights on this card, which I find interesting. And I'm wondering if you know if there are any, uh, you know, maybe guest fighters or anybody in town that could fill in if anything mm-hmm. happened. Hosta's in town. Yep. Like, only, only the next logical guy in title contention, right? And, like... In UFC 241, we spoke to him, and he's like, man, I'll beat Israel and Robert Whitaker on the same night. Like, I'm going to catch a fly. Like, this is something that he's been planning for a long time. But post-fight, you would have seen, you know, uh, he was asked, you know, would you, would you be a backup fight? He said, no, I deserve more of a training camp. I deserve proper preparation. I think there's a, there's a lot of truth to that now, whether part of it is sort of negotiations, whether the UFC, like, the fact that he's here as a guest fighter as well, and if this fight falls out, you've got to think they'll at least offer him. They'll at least try and speak to him about it. But I don't know. And, and Rob's sort of gone on record before saying that he's not a fan of these, you know, last-minute backup fighters because it's disrespectful to whoever is the champion who's prepped for, you know, 10, 12, however many weeks to just get a, a last-second fight. So uh, <laughs> if, if one of these guys doesn't make it, it could be a pretty crazy morning. Or maybe we'll see, you know, Dan Hooker and Ally Quinta main eventing in front of like 60-odd people. Yeah, that would be terrible if something happened to that fight. I'm really hoping that that's not the case. Uh, anyhow, although it would be kind of interesting from a schadenfreude perspective to see how that would play out. But uh, outside of that, tell me about New Zealand versus Australia. Like, What kind of a rivalry is it? I mean, you know, I'm a 22-hour flight from you guys. I don't really know that much about what this rivalry entails, but can you walk me through it? I think like the rivalry has been built up to be a lot bigger than what it really is. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, Aussies kind of support Kiwis if there's no Aussies involved. And Kiwis support Aussies if there's no Kiwis involved. 
Our culture's really closely matched. We have a pretty big rivalry between our rugby clubs, the Wallabies and the All Blacks. That's probably where the rivalry is at its biggest. But it's nothing like the rivalries that you see, like, you know, when you go watch uh, soccer over in England or anything like that. I mean, at the end of the day, like, we like to, we like to poke fun of e- at each other a little bit and say, oh, you know, you guys do this and we do that. But the cultures are pretty similar. We're all pretty laid back, and we actually really appreciate each other's countries. And this is coming from a guy who's been with a Kiwi girl for eight years. Believe me, I know about the rivalry. We have a lot of arguments, but I don't think it has anything to do with where she's from. She must be on Team Adesanya, then. Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Same unimpressed, right? Dennis, you're always saying that everything we do, she's like, eh, yeah, Because Kiwis are very, very laid back. Mm-hmm. I think there's more of a rivalry between, like, Canadians and Americans, to be honest. Like, I don't know, I don't know if that's, like, the fiercest one, but to put it in perspective, Aussie and, and New Zealand, like, that rivalry is a lot fierce. Remember, like, we're the guys that, like Dennis mentioned, we claim Russell Crowe. We claim Mark Hunt. That guy's a Kiwi. But Australia's like, oh, we like the look of him. It's close enough. We'll claim that guy. So we're more like frenemies. Like, it's just it's a friendly banter. It's not a real rivalry. I almost feel like we're more, more against the U.S. Like, whenever we play the U.S. in any kind of sport, it's like everyone is gathered around a TV. That's why 60,000 people filled out Eddie had Stadium two nights in a row to see if we could beat Team USA, which we did, by the way, uh, in the second <clears> night, just to see that we could beat USA because that's such a measuring stick for us in so many things. So I think the USA team might be a bit more for us sometimes. What do you guys take away from this particular fight in terms of, like, how does Whitaker win this fight and how does Adesanya win this fight, in your opinion? I'll start with you, Dennis. Mm. Yeah, it's a great question, man. Look, we've been trying to break it down quite a bit. When I first started this and I was looking at this fight, I thought, uh, Robert Whitaker uh, should should win it. But then as I started to break it down and looking at every single strike that Robert Whitaker has, I realized that a striker with Israel Adesanya's abilities should be able to counter a lot of the quirks and the things that Robert Whitaker does. And we, we even spoke to uh, Eugene, and we spoke to Eugene in Israel yesterday. Eugene said that Robert Whitaker's striking style, while it's different, sort of lends to what they're looking to do, which is capitalize on his mistakes. So, I mean, it's pretty clear cut, I think. At the end of the day, Robert Whitaker could out-grapple Israel Adesanya, but will he be able to utilize his wrestling and do it? Because we've only seen him, I believe, get, I think, about three takedowns in his middleweight run. So it's not exactly like he's a GSP 2.0, like his Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu coach claims. And with Israel Adesanya, can he stop the grappling? Can he stop the takedown? And can he utilize his counters and his fainting to counter Robert Whitaker when he jabs and his head's off, off to the side or where he throws like a lazy hook? Can he get, get in there and can he capitalize on that. And in the same token, will Robert Whitaker want to prove that he's a better uh, striker than Israel Adesanya? Because I get a feeling that he feels like his striking is underrated and that he can go in there with the best strikers in the world and still have an effect. Would he be able to catch a guy like Israel Adesanya with this kind of striking close the distance like a Kevin Gaston, even though he's a completely different type of striker? So for me, Israel, uh, his path to victory is on the feet. Rob, I think if he can mix in more grappling and takedowns and mix things up a little bit in this fight, he might be able to do it against Israel. So two unknowns, and we're not sure exactly what's going to happen. We might, we, we might sort of see, we might sort of see uh, some some clearness in the early rounds. I think with Rob, the key is he needs to get in Israel's face and he needs to close the distance. And I think the distance will be one of the biggest factors in the fight. If he can make Israel uncomfortable and get in on Israel from the early rounds, I think Israel he likes to get comfortable and he likes to fight at his own pace. And I think if Rob can disrupt that from the early goings, and, you know, they did a breakdown, Dan Hardy and John Gooden, obviously, with, uh, you know, Rob's stance. He's very square, and it gives him the ability to sort of throw shots from the same sides um, and throw a lot of them sort of in succession, almost throw unlimited combos. So if he can do that with Israel, 
that's going to work really effectively for him. But if Israel is able to stay on the outside and keep Rob away and use his reach, um, I think I think Rob's going to find it very very hard to sort of get in on, get in on him with strikes or with takedowns. So I think probably that those first two rounds, especially in the first round, Israel's kind of like an Israel Adesanya where he likes to get comfortable. And if Rob can disrupt that, then I think he's going to have a great night. That's what I love about this fight. Go ahead. I was going to quickly say, like, one of the things that people aren't talking about is Robert Whitaker might be one of the only fighters in the UFC that actually uses his jab as a power punch. And people don't really talk about that too much. So even though his jab's probably one of his best weapons, and instead of throwing it lightly and using it to measure, which he does sometimes as well, he'll actually load that jab up with power and use that to begin the momentum of the strike. So he does that really, really well. I wonder if he'll be able to sort of... I don't think Israel Adesanya is underestimating him. I think they think he's one of the best sort of UFC middleweight champions of all time, and he's a super tough competitor. But I wonder when he's in there, will he underestimate Rob striking enough for him to utilize one of those strong jabs, one of those head kicks, one of those hooks, and sort of maybe even like uh, land something and even stop Israel on the feet. That would be pretty crazy. Now, I feel like the stakes are higher in this fight for Adesanya. I don't think that Robert Whitaker can ever be a global superstar. I don't think that his personality um, is, is conducive to that. And I don't think he really wants to be in the spotlight. But I think that Israel Adesanya is the opposite. I think Israel Adesanya relishes the spotlight, wants to be a superstar, and can be one of the biggest fighters in the UFC uh, in terms of star power if he does get a win here as an undefeated, undisputed champion. Do you agree? Wouldn't you say, though, you talk about the stakes. I think I think Israel could win more, definitely, like you said. I feel like Rob needs this fight more, though. Like, he's been on the shelf for so long. He's spoken to us about, you know, the financial hit that, uh, you know, him and his family takes from him, obviously, not fighting. It's not just, uh, you know, that he doesn't get another win and, and, and you know, things on his record. So I think, and he, he reminds me of Stipe, you know, like the UFC didn't seem that keen on promoting these Stipe. They'd rather a guy like Nganu, who, you know, is a knockout artist and a lot more flashy and not necessarily trash talker, but maybe more marketable. And I feel like if, if Rob was to lose that title, I don't, I don't know how much marketing the UFC would really, you know, push him. And, 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 you know, there's that whole like misconception that Rob doesn't like doing media. And he's explained that, look, it's, it's more about training. I won't let anything get in the way. So I think if Rob loses this title, I think, uh, not so much that his legacy takes a hit, but I think people will be like, man, this guy, you know, pulled out of last Melbourne. Now he loses. Now he's not the champion anymore. And I think, uh, he, you know, he just won't get as much promotion. Whereas I think if Israel Adesanya loses here, I think he's, he's probably going to be getting another title shot, you know, if he can keep winning uh, right around the corner. Mm. I was going to say, Aaron, if you just look at, like, what's laid out for Israel Adesanya, I agree with Cassie, by the way. If Israel loses, you know, he'll still find his way back to stardom. But if he wins... What do you have laid out for him? You've got Polo Costa waiting in the wings. Can you imagine the build-up to that fight? Polo Costa absolutely despises Israel Adesanya. Israel Adesanya is going to have someone going to be going back and forth with him in the trash dog department. It's going to be an intense build-up. He's got plans for a Raiders Stadium fight with Don Jones and then a New Zealand Stadium fight with Stipe Miocic, possibly in the future. If that doesn't sound like some big fights to me, then I don't know what does. Absolutely. Well, you know what the weird thing about Whitaker is? You know, you talked about him being one of the best ever middleweight champions. He never won the undisputed title, and he's never officially defended the title. So it's kind of weird. Like, he's just won the interim title. Then it became the undisputed title because GSP retired or, or relinquished his title. And then uh, he never really got a chance to defend it because the Whitaker, uh, the Romero fight, rather, ended up being uh, a non-title fight because uh, of Romero missing weight. So, I mean, I don't think that affects his legacy at all. It's just kind of a weird, uh, a weird note in his mm. career. And then, and then he was kind of fighting all the contenders this, while yeah. Michael Bisping was the champion. So it's kind of like he was doing the 
defenses before he had the title, like fighting Jacare. Mm. Back to Jacare was an absolute beast. You know, even Derek Brunson, who, by the way, almost got him in that fight in Melbourne and then he beat him in that. So, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, he was supposed to fight Michael Bisping at UFC 193, that, uh, that Ronda Rousey card against Holy Home in Melbourne. So the guy... The guy's been at it for quite some time. It's just a shame he didn't have a belt around his waist when he beat some of these world-class guys. This Jones and Adesanya thing, do you have any appetite for this at all? Because I've stood next to both of these guys, and Jones yeah. is considerably bigger. Now, I don't think that that necessarily matters you know, in the stand-up, but if that gets physical and becomes you know, any sort of grappling involved, I think that Jones could take him down fairly easily and smash him. I, I don't know if you guys have the same feeling. I feel like there's already some fun fights here at middleweight. Like, let's let's focus on Costa. Like, imagine Romero and Adesanya. Like, that'd be another fascinating one. You know, you got Jared Cannonier. So, I'm kind of a fan at the moment of guys staying in their weight classes and just kind of, you know, adding to their legacies. Um, you know, at the same time, a bit of a sucker for super fights. But the thing is, like, imagine if Robert Whitaker goes in there and, like, puts on a wrestling clinic on Adesanya this weekend. I'm not saying that's necessarily going to happen, but I think if, if that does, and even if Israel somehow ends up knocking him out, I think that would take a lot of uh, you know, uh, wind out of those sails for any appetite of a Jones fight. But you know what? I like, I like that Adesanya's throwing that out there, man. Like People were talking about how crazy Conor is to even become the featherweight champion, let alone go up and be a dual champion. So the fact that he's talking about you know, John Jones and Stipe Miocic, he's a very smart guy. Like Whether this happens or whether this doesn't happen, he's doing a great job of marketing himself and kind of you know, giving, giving, this, uh, giving this spectacle of, of reaching for the stars. Absolutely. But John Jones, make no mistake about it, Aaron. Like, that is a great fight for him to make. Because like you mentioned, you know, he sees the size difference there. He sees his opportunity to win it. And then he sees the dollar signs. With a, you know, Israel Adesanya fight, why, why fight someone in the division where you've got to make less money and possibly have possibly a harder time when you've got a guy like Israel Adesanya with a fight that kind of sells itself? I mean, at the end of the day, I think John Jones is still trying to get back some of the money that he lost while he was away from the sport, and this is a perfect time to do it for him. While the division percolates and a guy like a Chris Weidman or something emerges as a possible contender. Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely interesting, and I, I just, like, Jones is running out of options. That's the problem right now. Unless he moves up to heavyweight, there just are not a whole lot of options for him. But I, I agree with you. I think that Adesanya's got a lot of options at middleweight, and I personally think that Costa versus either of those guys is an awesome fight. Mm, mm, yeah. How many people do you think are going to be there this weekend? Good. Question. Well, when you go when, when you go on the ticketing website, like you, if you look at all the sections, there's a lot of available sections. It kind of gives this illusion that oh man, there's plenty of tickets. But when you click on each individual section, there's only like a handful of tickets. And I have this feeling like there's going to be last minute, I don't know, a little burst of people going, oh, you know what, I wasn't going to go, but nah, I just can't stay away. So I I have a feeling we're going to break the record. I can't give you an exact number, but like we were at forty thousand. That was weeks ago. That was like sometime in, I think that was uh, in August, Nick Walsh of the Daily Telegraph reported that 40,000 had already been sold. So I think it's going to be a new record, to be honest. What's the mm. cap there? What, can they get 60 in there? That's a good question, man. I mean, Maybe. they have sections there with uh, like uh, obstructed viewing, I think, and like sort of further back sections that they might close off normally that they might open up. And who knows, they might have done the floor a little bit differently this time to fit in a, a few extra people. So... Me and Casper were there where it was like global uh, warning. The WWE show, they were supposed to have Hulk Hogan on in the 2002. They had Brock Lesnar, Triple H, and The Rock uh, headlining it. It was a pay-per-view, and that was like around 56,000. That was pretty packed, and that was with like 
uh, a WWE ring, but they had like the entrance uh, thing there and everything like that, whereas the UFC doesn't have the ramp or anything like that. So you'd think that they'd at least be able to get close to 60, like maybe 58, 59, something like that. But I think it's just down to the people who are uh, designing the schematics and how everything's going to be set up. They use these really ugly lawn chairs, these white lawn hmm. chairs on the ground, and uh, people complain that they pay like 500 bucks to sit like in a really pov lawn chair that's like plastic and they tie them up with cable ties so that people can't throw them at each other and last time when holy home lost they figured out a way to break off the cable ties and people started throwing chairs at each other so it's going to be a party regardless and then the crazy thing is like those nosebleed seats like this is a big stadium like i'm not going to lie the viewing angles are not great there all the viewing angles are good but like being so far away it's really hard to see so i know that like with the ronald rousey fight a lot of people were kind of like casual fans and they're like, oh, let's just go see Ronda Rousey. And then they left a little bit disappointed because they're like, man, we couldn't see a damn thing, which is something that I thought would impact, you know, these ticket sales this time around. It looks like no one cares. People, I feel like this is so big for this area that people just want to be a part of it. This is the first card in a while that I think the UFC's had that has kind of a boxing feel to it. You've got this massive main event. You've got a decent mm. co-main. Then the rest of the card is just like, yeah, it's whatever. But do you think that that's a symptom of this card being on a Sunday morning? That they, they want people mm. in the building for the, the, the main and co-main? Because usually the UFC doesn't book this way. They like to stack cards up, especially pay-per-views. This does not have a, you know, a stacked feel to it, but it also does have a very big feel in terms of that market. Yeah, I have a series of UFC that's going to be going towards more of a boxing model in the future. I know UFC 245 has like three title fights and all of that. But I mean, when it comes to Australia, they've had some pretty stacked cards that, that have started early in the morning on a Sunday. I mean, even if you go back to Adelaide, that's some really fun fights. And that was just a fight night. So I think, honestly, they were planning on having bigger fights. You know, I said this from the beginning, that Cowboy Serrani, Justin Gaethje fight on this card would have been absolutely huge because those guys are the type of guys that Aussies and Kiwis love to watch. Like, they're huge down here. They love the way those guys fight. So they just couldn't get the big name fights down here. We know they wanted that Volkanovski-Max Holloway fight in a silly way. Like, how is that going to ever come together with Max fighting so soon out? And I'm pretty sure Alex Volkanovski's happy to be fighting in December rather than on Sunday. So I think it just ended up happening this way. I think they have a different perspective on what draws here in Australia to what really draws here in Australia. I think they believe that local guys draw here when they don't draw as much as they think they do, and international stars have bigger power. It's like when Anderson Silva fought Israel Adesanya. Anderson Silva got a ton of cheers, you know, because he's a legend. That's the kind of stuff that people down here want to see. They want to see fighters they've been watching, you know, on TV and seeing in the States and that kind of thing. That's a big thing down here. I can tell you guys right now, I don't think that there's a single Canadian fighter on the roster right now that has real championship potential. But do you think, do you see anybody else from the Australia region that I'm not thinking mm -hmm. of, perhaps, that, that does have championship potential outside of these two individuals, whether it's New Zealand or Australia? Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. There's, I think there's a ton now. It's like, I mean, there's Volkanovski, of course, too, who's got a title shot. But outside yeah. of those ones that are the obvious ones right now, is there anybody we're not thinking of? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean... They're not obviously ranked right up there, but if you're looking at guys that could be title contenders, like Brad Riddell's one guy to look out for. I'm not sure where his grappling's at, but his striking is phenomenal. Um, there's this guy called Justin Taffer who's making his UFC debut, and they put him on the main card. He's uh, Junior Taffer's brother from Glory Kickboxing, and this guy's just been absolutely demolishing people. Think of Ty Tuivasa. He trains with them. That kind of devastating power. When you think about the heavyweight division, I mean, you know, how many, how many stars do they really have? Apart from those guys, I mean, Dan Hooker is the guy that if he beats Ally Quinta in the co-main event, I mean, Al's going to be super tough. It's going to be an uphill challenge for him. But if he can do it, 
maybe he could sort of be up there in that top ranking. I'm not sure if he can win a title, but he's, he's been super impressive. So th- there's definitely way more guys now than before. I don't know, Cass, am I leaving anyone out that uh, sort of stands out to us? You're missing the number one ranked women's featherweight, Megan Anderson. Ah, Megan Anderson. Well, she won't lose her ranking regardless of what happens. Exactly. Uh, She's week. safe. This week, yes, yeah, so there's only five. So it's, uh, you know. Five? It's like an but, of, name, name the five. It's like an episode of MASH. You know the two characters really well, but the other two you forget their names. Yeah, I don't think there's five, man. I, I, I don't, I don't think. I think she might be the only like true featherweight in the the division. I don't know anything about really who she's, but oh, I guess Felicia Spencer is also a true one forty five. She's the Frankie Edgar. She's the Frankie Edgar of the division. If she gets one when she's getting a title shot. Yeah, I guess so. I'd like to see her and Felicia. Oh, actually, I'd like to see her and Felicia Spencer. That already happened. So I mean, there's really no other matchups to make. I mean, Nunez, Nunez. I think, I think the next person in line for Nunez is Spencer, who's coming off a loss. If you look at that division, really, I mean, who else is out there? Yeah, it's going to be funny. It's kind of weird. Anyhow, thank you guys for doing this. Uh, Submission Radio, uh, if you guys want to plug Submission Radio, uh, I think we've named it enough times already, but you guys have great guests every single week and uh, are doing a phenomenal job representing Australia in the MMA scene. Mm. Yeah. Well, thanks so much, man. Listen, we've got um, this interview. We sit down with Israel and his coach, and we apologize about the audio. It was just one of those crazy situations where just nothing went right, like the exporting, the the recording, nothing went right, but there's some crazy content in there. They discussed how they took the interim belt and they threw it in a box in a gym and how Eugene pleaded with Israel just to get rid of that belt, and they did. And he did it to the point that when he went to the press conference in Vegas, that to give him a fake interim belt because he wouldn't take it with him. He threw it on the ground at the stadium. You can listen to all about those stories, the stories in the background of the gym, the stories of what's really happening behind the scenes, the real plans for Israel, this whole steep, crazy steep A plan, skipping light heavyweight. And down a heavyweight, what? That's all up there in that interview. And we've got a ton of prelim interviews coming out today, open workouts, one-on-one. Uh, we're going to be sitting down with Robert Woodick's coach as well. I want to find out what kind of uh, game plan he's got for this fight. Cass, anything else that we've sort of got coming up? Like you mentioned, like there's going to be so much content for the rest of the fight week. And then if you guys, anyone wants to listen to the podcast, I mean, like Aaron said, we do get uh, you know guests and UFC fighters every single week. And we're trying... Do, you know, get get the biggest guys that we possibly can. So if you want something to listen to while you're in the gym or the subway or, I don't know, committing a crime, whatever you want, you know, submission radio is always there for you. You guys are always able to get Colby Covington to say wacky stuff. Not like he needs that much of a push, but you guys are you guys are good at getting that stuff out of him. I like that stuff. Well, you've, been, you've been on the show before, Aaron Brunstetter, and we've had you say some crazy stuff as well. <laughs> oh, stuff that, stuff that would get me fired if people heard, I imagine. <laughs> Exactly. You're safe over here. You're safe over here in Australia, international waters. All right. Well, I appreciate you guys. And uh, are you guys uh, going to any other events uh, before the end of the year? Any other pay-per-views? Yeah, yeah. UFC 244. Some flights. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, UFC 244. We won't be there in December, but UFC 244 next year. We're looking at get to some of the big events as well. But not because we want to see the fights, but because we want to see our guy, Aaron. All right, thank you, guys. I appreciate you uh, coming on the show. We'll see you soon. Thanks so much, Aaron. Appreciate it. That was Dennis and Casper from the Submission Radio Show. They're down in Melbourne, and they have us covered when you uh, want to hear what's going on on site at UFC 243. So we're going to make our picks for UFC 243. We've got, uh, again, not a whole lot of recognizable fighters. There's a yeah. lot of regional Australian fighters on this card. And Joe, I know you like to go with the ones that you know. Yeah, it's I can make a little bit more of an educated opinion and looking stylistically. I mentioned earlier in the show, I really like Adesanya in this fight. I think it's kind of set for him to win. 
Um, so I'm going to keep it simple. I'm going to go Adesanya. But I don't mind Raging Ally Quinta. I don't mind him. He's a, a plus 145. I think his wrestling is going to do... Uh, I think he's going to get a decision win. But... Um, that's my side. That's my side one. I'm not counting that one. So Adesanya minus one fifteen. It has. Well, I'm going to take a bit of a flyer here based on what the guys from Submission Radio were saying. They were saying that Brad Riddell is a really good prospect in Australia. I don't know enough about him. I haven't gotten to watch any tape on him just yet. But I'm going to take him and I'm going to parlay him with Jake Matthews. I think Jake Matthews. Um, this is a good bounce back spot for him against Rostam Ackman. He came up, coming off a loss to uh, Tony Martin or Antonio Anthony Rocco Martin, whatever you want to call him. Uh, so I, I like. This is a bounce-back spot in Australia for Jake Matthews. So the two of them together is a plus 109 parlay. That's not bad. And uh, right now, if we want to look at the totals, you're crushing me. You have, uh, I have 70, or I think it's $65. I didn't update it. I think my, I'm at $65. Uh, no, actually, sorry, it is $75. I remember doing it. $75, and you're at $165.70. Not you're bad. almost up $100 on me. That's it. That's... It's just going to keep growing, Joe. That's I just it. have a feeling. Man. I'm going to have to do some sort of, I'm going to have to just do some monstrous parlays to try Keep to catch watering up. watering that pot. So if I reach $0, I think we're just going to listen to your picks on a weekly That's basis. That's it. We'll be like, Joe, who are your picks? <laughs> and then, Jake then, then I'll say, well, Joe, my picks are, and you'll go, it doesn't matter what, what your, your picks, picks are. I'm good with that. But yeah, but we, you're not going to get much money with the Jake Matthews. He's minus 350. No, I haven't parlayed with Riddell. Yeah. Plus 109. I, I just wanted to get a parlay to get it at uh, above even. Yep. And you have Adesanya at minus 115. All right. Cool. Done and done. Boom. Anything else we are, are missing? Let's uh, let's take a look and see if there's any headlines that uh, we're missing here. But I think we have it pretty much covered. I mean, uh, I would like to recommend a good listen was uh, Ariel Hawani's uh, recent podcast where he spoke to Ramona Shelburne about the kind of behind the scenes leading up to the last um, Ronda Rousey fight. Yeah, I listened to that. It was nice. Or not the last one, but the second last one against uh, Holly Holm. Yeah. Very interesting. Uh, takeaways from that because there, uh, she shared a lot of stuff that we didn't really know but just how bad that weight cut was the weight wasn't coming off yeah that kind of stuff can really impact you going into a fight she looked terrible at that way and remember she got into holly's face yeah yeah oh yeah you know what i like this is one of that was a big learning experience for me because i remember watching her fight i was at uh, a bar with my dad actually and i think someone else and i was watching the uh card headline by rousey and cat singano and pennington versus home was on the card and I remember Holm, before that fight started, I looked, I said to the people around me, I go, Holly Holm's the person that's going to beat Ronda Rousey. Yeah, yeah. And then you she felt looked, it. And then she looked so unimpressive against Ra- Raquel Pennington. And then when they made that fight, it seemed like it was too soon. And I was like, I jumped off. I was like, I think Rousey's going to beat her. I, I go, I think it's just too much too soon for Holm. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, and I was wrong. But even that fight, which she was saying in the interview, she was like, they had like photo shoots booked yeah. for the next day because they expected a first round finish, yeah. you know, because that's what she was known for. Even in the Nunes fight, like, WME had just acquired the UFC, and all the executives were like, yeah, Ronda's going to be back, superstar, blah, blah, yeah. blah. And then she just got it. That's one of the worst beatings I think we've seen in the UFC was Nunes yeah. versus Rousey. Yeah. And she looked like a punching bag. She wouldn't go down, and that was the problem. <laughs> she wouldn't go down and just kept yeah. taking big shots. And she was even saying how, like, she's still not over the losses in the Olympics. She just holds on to losses, like, 
really poorly. That's a problem, eh? Like, yeah, it's 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 a it's. Uh, do you know any fighters where that's happened? Where like they they not lose? as bad as that. Yeah, I mean, it ended I career. can go back in mine and and still pissed, but you got to get over it eventually, you know. <laughs> One day, Joe, <laughs> I go back and I'm still pissed at every loss. Like, if you look back at some of my records, every time they but it didn't hurt me, your confidence. You were able to redirect it. Yeah, into but like, more confidence. If you looked at some of my fights where they would announce me at like I think when I signed with Gloria it was like seven and one or something. And they were like, and with a record of seven wins, seven knockouts, one defeat, and my face would just be like, Arr. like I just got angry every time they would say that one because it was BS, you know? Yeah, because you it. lost a bad decision, if I recall, right? No, it was, uh, I got cut with elbows. Oh, that's what it was. And it was my okay. first full rules Muay Thai fight against a guy who had 70 fights, and I had oh, yeah. no experience with <laughs> elbows. So I out kickboxed him, but he landed elbows on me. Mm-hmm. So that's why they gave him. Was it a cut stoppage or a decision? No, it was a decision. Okay. But I out-kickboxed him. I outscored him. I outpointed him. But the scoring's different. He would play the rules of body kicks, which value more that where I'm a low kicker. kickboxing record? Yeah. I guess well, because it's Muay Thai rules in kickboxing. It's not a Muay Thai fight. Yeah. No, it was a Muay Thai fight. Oh, okay. Yeah. So why does that count against your kickboxing? Well, I guess kick- all these well, Muay Thai guys have it on their kickboxing well, I mean, record. It's That's just, why in North America. <laughs> yeah, in North America, they're just, they don't really make a difference between it. Yeah. And no one's going to really say, if I took out, I only had two full rules Muay Thai. That was Gregory Choplin and then UFC guy, Mehdi Baghdad. Yeah, Mehdi, yeah. Yeah, so other than that, those were my only full rules fights, but there was no kickboxing, so I had to take those fights in order to, to keep growing my name and brand, but pisses me off still. <laughs> still angry about it. You should appeal it. I said I should. <laughs> take it off my record. Yeah. Well, um, anyhow, Joe, that's... Uh, Nice having Me you too. here. Next week, probably not going to happen. I guess you're no, going to Germany. I'm off to Germany. And uh, I've got the Jewish holidays. So nice. Unless you can do Monday. I'm here Monday, but uh, I know you're probably packing. Yeah, that's my ready. busy, busy yeah. day. Well, figure it out. What, what's uh, next weekend in terms of uh, MMA? What do we got next weekend? UFC 243 this weekend. Let's take a look ahead because I, uh, I, think, it, it's, I think it's the Joanna and Watterson. Yeah, Yanjacek versus Watterson is the other following is next weekend. I could it's also hard to keep hard to keep track of all oh, the stuff. Too many. I can give a shout out to uh, one of my fighters, Tariq Ishmael. He's um, fighting in Brave tomorrow. He's, okay, cool. uh, He's making his big Brave debut. He's four and zero in MMA. And uh, mark my words, you will eventually see him in the UFC. But he's uh, this is his big jump. He fought his other fights at TKO. Now he's in Brave Abu Dhabi right now. He's with my business partner, Troy Sheridan. He's with Ainsley Robinson, you know, Olympic wrestler. So he's in good hands. I have FOMO being here while they're Mm -hmm. in Abu Dhabi. But uh, he's fighting a a big name out there. So look out for Tariq Ishmael. Who's he facing? I can't even announce but his name. name. If you could try his his name. But out there, uh, he's, he's a bigger name out there. So I mean the it's Tariq Ismail, right? Yeah, I, if I couldn't even tell you, I can Tariq. tell you his style and how we're gonna beat him, but I can't <laughs> tell you his name. Who's he facing? Jalal Al Daja. Yeah. Okay. So six yeah. and four fighter, but yeah, from Canada, he's a Canadian. No, that's guy's Tariq's facing. name. No, no, this guy's Canadian too. Then they messed it, it up. No, he's definitely not. Yeah, it says he's born in Jordan, but there's a big Canadian flag on this uh, on the topology side. I'm gonna have to let them know. Then they messed up. Lies. Come on. But yeah, so it's gonna be interesting for him because he's yeah four and zero stepping up, more experienced guy, and uh, yeah, this guy's coming off a win against a ten and zero fighter, yeah, with a knee as a clinching knee to the head too, yeah. But so, uh, you, you're well it. you're well equipped for that kind uh, of thing for sure. All right, Tariq's what four and zero now, yeah. So he needs to get uh, yep. needs to get into the UFC. Is, how, how long is his contract with Breed? Do you know? Uh, I think he signed that? three fights. Three fights. Okay, I think he signed cool. three fights. But uh, yeah, he's he will be ready to go. He's one of the strikers where I'm confident. Um, I can put him in against anyone. All right, cool. 
Well, uh, like you said, he's going to be in the UFC one day. Mark your words. Mark I'm, not, I'm words. marking it. Mark it's it. At, write it at down. Seven minutes and fifteen seconds into segment October. two of. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm not actually going to do that. But anyhow, he'll, he'll be there. Your uh, most recent video. I don't think you've done one in a while. No, but, I have uh, to take a week off because of the Miami trip. Yeah. So set up uh, versus finish Loki. So I think we discussed yeah. this last time. I just filmed yesterday. There's three coming out. So one of them is going to be, I think it's in three weeks, it's going to be basic defense for MMA. So the difference between MMA defense and kickboxing defense. What's so, the big difference? Well, it's, or do uh, we need to watch the video to find out? Well, it's quickly is uh, the shell, like a shell defense versus you have to use a parry, your eyes a little bit more, and distance a little bit different. So I discussed that. Gaethje loves using the shell defense. Yeah. You have to be a special fighter to use the shell. And I'm someone who's that fighter. I've always used the shell. I could use my shell in MMA, but... 99% of fighters can't do it. Overeem uses it as well, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he can do it well, but he's been knocked out using it a couple times. But uh, He's also heavy. It's, it's a scary one, yeah, because you can really land the hooks through through the hands, and it's, so it's tough. So you want to stay a little bit longer and kind of use a parry style. Um, it's safer. All right. Well, Joe. That's it. Enjoy Germany. Where in Germany are you going? Dusseldorf? Uh, Dusseldorf. Look at that. I, that, was a, that was a pure guess. Although yeah. I don't know how many other cities I can name in Germany. That's it. But, but then I'm, I'm home for a week, and then I'm off to Lyon, France. So it's going to be back-to-back Europe shows. So you're home for one week, and then who's Francis Dumbe, I guess? Uh, yeah, that's going to be the dumbe Grunhardt rematch. Oh, wow, that's a fun one. Yeah. All right, well, enjoy the fights this weekend. Israel Adesanya versus Robert Whitaker. Check out Sports Center on Saturday. I'll be there to break down all the action after the fact. And uh, we've got a great... Uh, feature airing on Friday on Sports Center. It's the fifth round of Gastelum versus Adesanya and how Adesanya was able to answer all the questions that people had about him in that fifth round. So uh, enjoy that. It's at tsn.ca slash UFC. And uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA show. For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca slash UFC.